Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your home for all the strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And guys, we want to give a big thank you to our newest patron, Sean Barnes. Thank you so much for becoming a patron and joining our wonderful patron family. And today, we'll be drinking Diet, Diet Cokes, because <laughs> we had a rough day. It just came straight here in order to record so, record for you guys. So, yeah. No, no alcohol for today, so we're doing this totally sober. I do recommend Diet Coke. It is flavorful and no calories. Absolutely, yeah. It's a staple of many of our uh, illustrious Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder games that we, uh, <laughs> that we do. So, cheers to you, Sean. This one goes out to you, good sir. I'm not going to go into the taste of Diet Coke because everybody knows it's delicious. But we got a great episode for you guys today. We want to give a, a big thank you to everybody who uh, gave a bunch of support to our last uh, episode where we talked about uh, the Mahe uh, UFO, even though I'm pretty sure I mispronounced that because uh, someone kind of called me out on that episode, by the way. But uh, we appreciate all the support that we got. It became one of our most popular uh, downloaded videos, so thank you guys uh, for that. So we've got a couple comments that we want to highlight uh, for this. So, if you guys have not heard of the Mahe UFO, you should check it out. It was a fantastic UFO sighting uh, that was in Brazil back in May of this year. Uh, it was a huge UFO sighting. Tons of people are talking about it. They're still talking about it. Uh, I think in our episode, we called it probably one of the closest... Uh, the only thing that even came close to it, like, I think attention-wise... Um, was the Phoenix Lights. And I think there's really a lot of parallels you can draw yeah. between that case and the Phoenix Lights. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, are kind of going around bashing and calling it a hoax, but if you guys look into it kind of like what we did, uh, there's some weird stuff that was going on uh, in that uh, UFO sighting. So definitely make sure you guys check out our episode and look more into that sighting. So a couple comments that people left on our episode. Uh, Creeper California, super fan. Creepy California says, uh, what if it's not an alien UFO, but a government equipment that went down and was retrieved by the wrong people and the government it belongs to rolled in to retrieve it back before they could figure it out what it was uh, they're doing before it crashed. I really like that theory because it once again parallels my thoughts on the Phoenix Lights, which I do feel could have been some sort of government test for like unknown technology yeah, and i think a lot of times when people hear the term ufo they automatically jump to aliens and that's that's not necessarily true ufo just stands for unidentified flying object and there's like over 200 countries all developing their own technology creating aircraft that they probably don't want other countries knowing about so there's tons of ufos that are flying all around out there so although i'd say if it is tech, it probably belongs to some sort of shady, like, off-the-table government, not even you see at the UN. <laughs> yeah, and if it was some sort of, like, government crash, uh, you know, piece of government tech that probably crashed, they probably didn't want the public knowing, uh, yeah, our stuff's kind of, uh, jank. <laughs> and is it, it isn't the best. So they probably had to, all the more reason to keep that kind of covered up, so... 
Uh, Guy Prieto says, awesome topic. When you guys first discussed this, I immediately went to YouTube to see any video evidence. Uh, what was really strange is there was only like two videos, but they were not even in any uh, UFO footage, just someone talking in Portuguese, uh, which is weird considering how big of an incident you guys mentioned. That was like the day you guys reported this, which leads heavily to the cover-up of this. Sorry to make a super long post comment, but I have a theory that maybe one of the UFOs was extraterrestrial. And the other was an actual Uf, uh, U.S. military UFO sent to bring this thing down. Uh, makes a lot of sense considering the dialogue. Two questions off topic. One is, what is the theme you guys play at the end of every video? So badass. Uh, that little noise in the beat had me grooving at work. Also, last question, would you guys ever do a case file on the... Zechariah Stitchin? Zechariah Stitchins. Zechariah Stitchins. Okay. Uh, so, covering what you said first. Um, actually, yeah, I'm... Uh, when this first broke, there wasn't a whole lot on YouTube that was going up. I have two theories about that. One, you could just do the normal. Uh, this was like kind of scrubbed, which a lot of people thought was going on uh, with this UFO thing. Also, YouTube just, you know, taking down a lot of paranormal content that's down there. If you really want to check out some of the actual videos, uh, I'm going to track down some of the better ones. Go through Twitter. Uh, Reddit also, is a lot of the uh, the UFO, the RUFO uh, in the EVE uh, stuff on Reddit still has uh, some hot links where you guys can find information on this. And there's tons of Twitter feeds that had uh, a lot of this on them, you know. But again, most of them are in, you know, Portuguese because I think that, you know, they really didn't want this to get out. Uh, also, to your questions, <laughs> what's the... Uh, what's the theme you guys play at the end? Uh, it's a song that you can download from YouTube. Uh, it's not edited or anything. It's just called Shaken. It's the one of the free music things you downloaded. Uh, you know, You've been when using that one for free. I don't know. You know, because when I was, you know, I edited all of our videos, and when I was coming up with something to do, kind of our outro, uh, both me and Vic kind of liked this. We're oh like, yeah, this is awesome, and we just kind of kept with it. I know we change our intro kind of a lot, you know, with the seasons, but Shaken's kind of our outro is kind of the one we just kind of like doing. Yeah, like I listen a lot in my car, and I'll kind of jam along with Shaken <laughs> while I'm driving. Uh, also, when are you guys ever going to do a case file on Zetrison? Such an uh, that sounds like a fantastic new one for us to do. If that, you know, I'm not familiar with this case file off the top of my head. I recognize the name Zacharias Stitchin. I It's on the tip of my brain on what the deal was, but we could do some looking into yeah. it, and I think that that wouldn't be an issue if I remember right. It's pretty interesting, but I'm having a hard time putting details to it. So, the answer to that is, check back on our next podcast episode, and we'll have a better answer for you on that. Because we love doing fan-requested stuff. If you guys have ever have uh, topics or ideas for us, put it in the comments, put it in suggestions. We love getting ideas from fans. Oh, goodness. How long do we have till season six? Uh, not that much longer. It's, yeah, I just, uh, I just not thought about this. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting to be about that time. It's going to be the end of the year. So, make sure you guys always get your suggestions in. Blue Steel. Blue Steel uh, patron says, It sounds like a UFO over Brazil was shot down by some American equipment or weapon, uh, and a ground battle broke out between Brazilian or American soldiers and the surviving alien crew. Uh, the aliens must have had some considerably powerful technology if the firefight lasted that long and the helicopters were called in for air support. As far as the different UFOs and the alien factions, I do think that this is the case. It makes sense that different species of aliens would be competing or even hostile with each other when they encounter one another on a place like Earth. And that's why we see different designs of UFOs and even combat between them. I like to think that the Greys are coming here to cause trouble and our friends the Nordics come in to fight them off for us. Good guy Nordics up there looking out for us. I hope that that's the case. I like to think there's at least one alien faction out there 
that legitimately has our best interest in heart. I'm a little doubtful of it, but I, I'm crossing my fingers and I mean, I'm hoping for it. The universe is infinite. That means that you know there's got to, there's an infinite possibility on the whole spectrum of there are tons of probably malevolent you know UFOs all the way up to probably some that are benevolent. You know, so I'm willing to like Vic said hope. I'm hoping that that there's good ones. You know. Um, but no, I totally think that probably that's could have been one have been that there was a firefight between them, between all of them. So definitely good theory. A little bit of an update from our mannequin person video. I am continuing to pinch myself when I'm in public to heighten my state of awareness to see mannequin people. As of yet, I have not seen any. Maybe they're not in Evansville, or maybe this is a bad tactic. Uh, also update, I have been able to make it down to only sleeping for two hours uh, a night to watch out to make sure that we are not going to be black bagged by the government or some sort of diabolical cult out there. Sleep more. But th that's how they get you. Do better. That's the opposite of a black bag tip of the day or a, a, like a black bag tip. Because if you sleep, that's how they catch you. Oh, I slightly miss the black bag tips. Yeah. Black... I, just, I just ran out of steam Here, on them. Here's a black bag tip. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> fall asleep until they get you. Don't sleep. Turn all your money into gold. Bury it in your backyard. <laughs> I know that you guys think that this is a joke, but these are all seriously things that Marcus has told me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the paranoid one until you kind of hit full steam. <laughs> like, they're gonna, it's like, it's like, it's so easy that they can just get you and just erase anything that you've ever existed and just throw you in the back of some sort of van. Like, you have to be on top of these things so this doesn't happen to you. Yeah. All right. So, with that being said, jumping off from that fun little tangent, um... Today's episode is uh, going to be awesome, guys. We're we're going to tackle a difficult uh, topic in the paranormal today. We're going to tackle the flannel man. Now, for those of you guys that are not familiar uh, with the flannel man entity, um, picture for you will like a typical flannel man encounter. Many people over the last couple of years have been coming forward with accounts of seeing uh, a man, and they report this both while they're sleeping and while they're awake. That all of a sudden, I don't know where they either wake up or they're doing something and they spot out of the corner of their, guy, their eye a man standing there when either blue jeans or some sort of dirty pants, a flannel shirt, a beard, and he's just standing there staring at you. And then he's not there anymore and he just disappears. It's a very weird. Then more store, more encounters of him just run the gamut of everything of him looking different. Like his beard is either red or it's brown or black. His eye color changes from story to story. But most, if not all, of these flannel men encounters are very kind of watcher entity-esque. Where they just all of a sudden realize that this particular entity is in their presence watching them. Some people say that he's an omen of death because he'll often show up around people who are in a state of extreme distress where they are in a situation where it is do or die, where there is every chance they could potentially meet their end. And he'll often show up and occasionally even lend a guiding hand or a few words of advice to help calm them, but rarely actually physically intervene to change the situation. Usually it's just good advice or pointing a direction. You know, I first, I first became aware of the flannel man. I think like a lot of people did. Like, you know, the the podcast Strange Familiars. Oh yeah, Strange yeah. Familiars is like the home base yeah. for flannel man. Yeah, research. if you want to find a ton more episodes and more information on flannel man, check out their podcast because they've done 
uh, a ton of research on a ton of research on that on them and have collected tons and tons of different stories on them um but when when i first became aware of flannel man it, it was weird because it came with like this warning that once you know of the flannel man you're more likely to have encounters with the flannel man like a lot of other entities that are out there um and it was it was really weird when i found that out because i swear the night the night that i did my first real big dive into flannel man i i, I went to sleep that night and i and i while i was asleep i had this dream and it was a very very vivid dream and i remember this i, I wake up and i'm walking through my house and I get to my kitchen and it's pitch black, like there's just black all around me. And all of a sudden I see this red glow. And like next to me, uh, I turn and I see, and I see this like surveillance light thing, like blinking at me. And it's like a little camera thing blinking at me. And I don't go to grab it and it misses. And I realize that it's a, a camera on a cord and it's retracting. And it goes all the way into my garbage disposal. And I catch it at the garbage disposal. And I grab it and then like the, like the little red blinking thing on the end pops. Are you sure this was a dream? This was a dream. Now, I you could just chalk this off to me just being the paranoid kind of researcher that I am. But you know, but then I, I wake up and I have like sleep paralysis. Like I can't move. I can't. I can't do any. I, I can't do anything. I'm aware that I'm awake, but I can't move my body. And this I'm, is interesting because sleep paralysis is commonly reported with uh, flannel man yeah, encounters. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, and it, and that was what kind of weird weirded me out because I, I distinctly remember just this. You know, it's not the, the full flannel man thing, but it's like a lot like it was just solid black and this color red glow that was blinking at me. And I have it the night, I have this dream the night that I'm deeply researching into the flannel man stories. And, uh, and I wake up and I have sleep paralysis uh, and eventually I'm able to snap out of it. Okay, alternate theory here. You got up in the middle of the night. You actually found some sort of strange surveillance tech. <laughs> you went you went to get it. You got a hold of it at the guard's disposal. It popped, releasing some sort of nerve toxin. The men in black came in, put you back in your bed. But as the nerve toxin was wearing off, you wake up and you're stuck in a state of paralysis. Okay, new plan. I no longer go to sleep. <laughs> okay. There was something really interesting in there with the red light. Because there's a connection I see between... How people experience the home invasion flannel man encounters, the ones where they wake up at night and he's in the room watching them. I think they're very similar to red eye shadow people encounters, um, both commonly associated with um, sleep paralysis. And both are cases where the person just suddenly becomes, becomes awake and is aware that someone else is in the room. And they eventually kind of locate this individual just watching them. The the only difference that I that I see in red eye shadow people encounters because it's all the same except the amount of fear that people report seeing when they're seeing red eye shadow people because it's like a legit I'm frozen afraid of seeing this thing as compared to the fundamental stories where people do have sleep paralysis and they can't move that's what they blame it on they don't really blame it on the flannel man or they don't really report they're just being afraid as much as. Uh, as as much as red shadow people encounters, and that's true. But you gotta admit there are some striking similarities between the two. Well, talking about similarities, I had more similar. I saw more sim similarities between the flannel man stories and like uh, the smiling man stories, like Andrew Cold yep. sightings, 
which again, it's very similar sightings where you know you're typically asleep, you wake up, and all of a sudden there's a I wouldn't really call Flynn I'm in a snazzy dress guy, but you know the, the smiling guy tends to be a little dressed nicer, and you know they're just staring at you for no no reason. You don't know why. The vast majority of the stories they don't speak, and then and then they're gone. Actually, thinking back to the only uh, I've only ever personally investigated, like in the field, investigated one grinning man encounter. And those of you who are old hats of our channel, you've probably heard this story before. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking about, you're talking about Adam. Yeah, yeah. Adam's story. With also, I think this is like the third podcast in a row we've mentioned Adam. Such a great guy. Um, but for those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, um, Adam had woken up. Uh, he had come home from work, basically crashed out, and then woke up a time later to see a basically a grinning man, a man in like nicely dressed large grin uh, plastered on his face just kind of staring at him he, he was like just kind of froze if I remember the story correctly and it was very similar to both um, a flannel man encounter as well as like a black eyed shadow person encounter mm. it, there's just something there's this theme of there being these home invaders that pop in specifically your bedroom while you're sleeping and like just kind of shock you and then escape unnoticed uh, is just as a quick question, uh, going back to your story, uh, do you commonly have sleep paralysis? Is that no, I've, I've, you know, fun. No, I want to call this fun fact, but it's weird. I've had more sleep paralysis since really diving into the paranormal. Since we've really been, you know, since you know, we've just gone full in investigating the paranormal, doing the podcast, YouTube channel, field research. It's happened more and more frequently for me. Um, I don't really get that freaked out because once I realize what's going on, you know, I, I tend to quickly get like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. You know, it's, it's just my mental process. You know, if I'm going down by some sort of entity, I'm going down swinging. You know, I'm just saying, just time to handle it. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, you know. I've only ever had sleep paralysis once, and it was a fairly unpleasant experience. Yeah. <sighs> because in my, you know, like, you can, like, see things during yeah. it, right? Mine yeah. was, I was very much in a dream state during it, and I was a effectively being i'm trying to think of how much i want to say here about it but effectively i was being tased yeah <laughs> like i when i get sleep paralysis what i start doing is i start i feel like i'm trying to lift my whole body and i feel like i'm a power lifter trying to lift everything and i feel like almost i'm actually like lifting limbs while it's going on i don't know i've never i've never been able to fully see like if it's actually work but that's just what i feel like when i'm experiencing sleep paralysis but what what do you do to pull yourself out of it uh I, I really just call it sheer willpower. I really, you know, it's not, you know, I just focus on, I'm like, I ain't going out this way. You ain't taking me. This is how we're going to go. I'm, you know, if we're going to go, I'm going out swinging. And I, I don't know if that's just, I don't want to say the ghetto with me, but like, this like, you know, just, that's just my mentality. I'm just, I'm going down swinging if I'm going somewhere. I just keep saying in my head, move, 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 move. Well, know? like tensing my right side, then my left side, then my yeah. right side, then my left side, kind of rocking myself yeah. awake. You know, you know, you know, I... I get kind of a, the Uma Thurman from Kill Bill where it's like, wiggle your big toe. But I just, I don't start small. I just go, get yourself up right now! Like, that's what it turns into. Um, but going back to the Flannel Man, I gotta bring, I gotta bring, I wanna bring this back around uh, to Flannel Man's story because... I mean, it all ties in. It does, Sleep it does. Is, is heavily yeah. associated with him. But, but you will hear people say the phrase about Flannel Man that it's a relatively new phenomenon. Flannel Man's something new... It's coming out, um, and we're just now, we're, we're not hearing about it, and people are just coming forward with these stories. Um, maybe. Maybe. 
because I I was recently um, you know I was I was recently I've been recently started uh, reading uh, one of John Keel's books. Uh, God, Str- I love yeah, John Strange Keel. Creatures from Time and Space. And I was I, I started reading this book, and in in this book he has a chapter called Home Invaders, it's like the fifteenth chapter in the book. And I started reading it. He he starts talking about interviewing people. This would have been probably it would have been easily nineteen sixties beforehand of people who are describing seeing the checkered shirtmen mm-hmm. that uh, the checkered shirtmen that would come into their home would people would wake up and they would see these checkered shirt guys staring at them over their bed. And this is John Keel writing this in nineteen seventy. So I don't I don't actually think that the flannel man is a I don't think he's a new phenomenon like that's happening right now. I think people are just now coming forward and we're now all starting to write these stories down. Because John Keel talks about this in his book. He talks about in his book that there are tons of home invaders, Smiling Man, uh, the checkered shirt man, uh, he you know, everything with John Keel eventually comes back to aliens and UFOs in some way, shape, or form. Um, Integrity shirt would be more the vernacular of the time yeah. for what we would call a flannel shirt. Yeah, yeah flannel is a material. <laughs> so um, that plaid shirt is actually like the design. Now they're just kind of like, sim- you know, they're just like the same words or whatever. But um, John Keel is talking about this. He says that many times, so many times, people have been coming forward and reporting these stories to mental health providers. And mental health providers are just throwing these encounters away like what we talked about in our mental health and uh, mental health and the paranormal uh we were saying this and john keel was saying this apparently back in the 1970s i didn't know this and uh that so all of these mental health providers are sitting on all of these stories about all of these different types of entities and he became super kind of frustrated with the different communities in the paranormal like guys every now and then the paranormal there's always like the people that just lean heavily into shadow people. There's the UFO guys over here at their own table. The Mothman guys are over here, you know, and you know, the Bigfoot guys are, are eating glue in another corner. I'm just kidding. But like they're, and nobody's talking to each other. When in reality, all of these different groups are reporting very similar things. You know, this waking up with sleep paralysis and seeing these people in your room, UFO people are saying this. People that see the red checker shirt man are saying this. People that, Encounter shadow people are seeing this. People that report smiling man stories are, are reporting these same things. We did the Harlequin, like when we, you know, like uh, when uh, we started researching the Harlequin stories, same stuff. Clown people dressed in clown outfits showing up in your in your bedroom in the middle of the night and experiencing sleep paralysis. And there's there's something to this mo. There's yeah. something to it. Mm-hmm. Also, and I 100 percent believe believe what Kill's saying here. I mean. I do believe that there's a lot more interconnectivity in the world of high strangeness than we give credit yeah. for. Like, there are just all these odd ways they line up. If it's, you know, Bigfoot appearing after UFO sightings, curses following Mothman, uh, uh, Poltergeist activity following Men in Black. I mean, there's a way There's a way that all these things are connected through some sort of meta chain that we just do not see. And, you know, and just keep, keeping with Flanagan encounters, you know... We could read off tons of different flannel man encounters, but you know, there's 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 so similar to a lot of other stories. Like there's flannel man encounters where flannel man's showing up, and he's got black bar guys, like black dogs that Actually, he's, that I've he's been walking with. Wanting to talk about this, yeah, walking with him, like, and like, it's, you know, if there's a type of flannel man story that's out there that you could think of, 
It's probably been said. Okay, we're going to come back to the bar guy scene in a little bit. I want to talk about, do you want to start with the him popping up with people in crisis or the him popping up showing up in your bedroom first? Let's let's talk about him showing up in your bedroom. Okay. I think that you guys have a pretty good image of this point of what we're talking about. You wake up in the middle of the night. There's some brawny looking guy like from the brawny paper towels, red flannel shirt. <laughs> like a psychotic uncle. Yeah, like watching you sleep. And the heck about it. I mean, it's just such a strange picture to imagine. I mean, I've never had one of these Final Man encounters. I don't doubt the people who have them. There's even stranger things out there. But it is such a peculiar sort of manifestation. You'll you'll see. I mean, and and, and it's not entirely just you wake up and see this too. There are Final Man reports where people report seeing this guy just in their house like in the in their waking eye like they just mm -hmm. they're awake and they see these things like middle yeah. of the day they're sitting in a chair and then flannel man's standing in the corner it, you know I, I i reported very similar to people that are having like abductee stories that all have similar like reports of like seeing like walking deer people or just bizarre owls like in a tree or something in their in their house or something like that but Okay, when it, when it comes to this one, and this is not my only theory about Flannel Man, just something that comes to mind when we talk about these. This, to me, sounds like a screen memory. Yeah. I feel like it's something else projecting this image, and maybe... I, I'm not going to say all these things are related. I'm just pitching a, pitching a hypothesis here. Maybe when grades are coming in, sometimes they project, you know, clowns, or sometimes they project shadows, or sometimes they project a lumberjack. <laughs> I, uh, to me, at least the home invasion part really sounds like some form of screen yeah. memory. If you guys, if you guys don't, for those of you that don't know fully, like what screen memory is, screen memory was it was the the term was coined by Sigmund Freud at first, and it, it's a memory that is generally, essentially, a memory that your mind essentially is put in place to cover a traumatic event that has happened in your past. Like it's a a memory you create to shield you from a traumatic event that's not a lot of people in the paranormal like what Vic was talking about say that they think that entities use screen memories to cloak themselves or I, i'm almost or induced or induced memories. or yeah or we just have a collective screen memory we create because we don't know how to perceive these horrific entities in their true form you know so like you know we're all inclined to because kind of like what a lot you know it's it's kind of like you know we're you replace it with something that you don't feel is threatened by, or you replace it with something that um, collectively, like we all know, and like how now how we all got like the brawny man. I can I, I don't I'm not I'm not 100 quite sure where that's coming from, but I my initial thought I had initially had a thought about where that was coming from. Like initially, because like a lot of people thought at first, because when I first started researching the flail man about what are we getting, I I first thought that the flail man was only stories that were relatively new because most of the people that, were, that I was hearing coming forward were all in their 30s. So that would put these stories occurring somewhere in the 1990s, which is when grunge music first comes out, which is when flannel became super popular, like, worldwide. Like, you know, flannels, we know it, like, super spiked. Um, like, people wearing it all the time, surely, like, in the early 90s. Now, does that mean that I think people are being haunted by the ghost of Kurt Cobain? No. Because, <laughs> we know, they, they come up before that. Um... Uh, as well, but uh, I do I, I do find it kind of weird. Of why do you think that? Why do you think that we're seeing the same type of of, of entity? 
Okay. Like the same what kind of I... imagery. First, I, I'm going to give you what my initial thought was, then I'm good, going to tell you why I don't think it's true. My <laughs> initial thought was this. One person had the screen memory, and that one got, and that story became popularized through Strange Familiars. Then, now that that is locked in people's subconscious, it became a screen memory that began to pop up more oh, and more okay. and more. Like, uh, but with the revelation of John Kill tracking something so very similar to this back in the day, I'm kind of throwing that one out. Unless this is like a situation where it was in the zeitgeist back then, then it disappeared. Someone who still had it in their zeitgeist had that screen memory pop up. And now it's showing a resurgence. But I think that's less likely. Um, in a, There are things that change about uh, Flannel Man between encounters that different people have. But one of the big things that stays the same, especially uh, cross countries, because these, uh, these encounters do occur outside of America. They do at least happen in Europe. Um, it's always a working man. It's always someone who appears somewhat out of time, somewhat of an anachronistic job, but always someone who's a working man who works with their hands. Because um, sometimes they have goggles and they can be like welders, or sometimes they have like aprons on, like like more of like a workman's apron. Don't think like like baking a cake apron. <laughs> um, but it's always someone who looks like a hard living, hard working individual who works in a fairly iconic sort of male job um there has to be a connection there uh he is he will occasionally even show up carrying the axe i do have one theory i'm slowly working on it'll play into some of my other thoughts about him do you want me to go ahead and throw this out go ahead go ahead okay a lumberjack and a reaper share many qualities both of them utilize a basic wooden shafted tool with a metal tip to cut down, you know, a form of plant. Both of them are can be used as a metaphor for, like, the changing of time, um, the changing of the landscape. Both of them are people who are out working hard in a time past. Like, the idea of, like, during the medieval period, people living in towns would be familiar with the working man out in the fields, just like we're familiar with this concept of the lumberjack. I really think that there are similarities and parallels to be drawn between a reaper and the flannel man. And he's often viewed as kind of an omen of death. He is one of those things where often death isn't depicted as something that's cruel, just something that's part of the natural course. And I kind of get that feeling from many of the uh, Flannel Man encounters where he actually engages with people. He's not there to save you, but he's not there to really doom you either. He'll sometimes even point you toward in a, a, a correct direction or give you some simple advice to help calm you down when you're in a stressful situation. Not necessarily anything that's going to save you, but giving you the ability to potentially save yourself. I don't know. I... I... The lumberjack also is as a why why people would see a lumberjack. I also the lumberjack is also a symbol. Like if you look at like a lot of uh, like dream interpretation literature, like on what the lumberjack is, the lumberjack is a symbol of 
like taking down some sort of obstacles, overcoming some sort of obstacles, something that is in your way. And I've often found that people that are really deep into the paranormal or people that have, um, uh, you know, a lot of these paranormal experiences are often people that have had to overcome a lot of obstacles, uh, like in their life, usually in some sort of way. And I, and I think the flannel man in another way could also represent that if that's something that we're seeing. Also, another very strange uh, thing about him, he's almost always shown, like, in the red flannel shirt, and that would be, like, a the equivalency... Uh, are you very familiar with the history of flannel? I do know that, it is, I believe, it is a, it's a Welsh product that came from that came from over there that became popular. But, but the, the, the pattern the is century. a Scottish pattern. It's the Roy Rogers pattern for tartans. Right. And he's always shown in a red one of those and there's never like a variant to it mm -hmm. you would expect for occasionally it to be a different sort of pattern like maybe it actually just be stripes or something along those lines mm -hmm. or you would imagine for it occasionally to be a different color but it's always it, it sticks to a very specific sort of pattern there and i i if it's a screen memory that's coming out of our subconscious i really would predict that there would be a higher amount of variation mm. um i don't I'm, i don't have um carl young here to correct <laughs> me on this um but i feel like there would be a little more variation in our collective sub uh, subconscious yeah they do show variations in height mannerism color of eyes length of beard things like that but the key factors are all there and people always seem to feel that it's a lumberjack mm -hmm. So do you think, so I'm going to ask you this, do you think that the Flannel Man is his own entity, or do you think that it's like a lot of the other entities that it shares with, and it's just a, a screen member, like it's just the same thing? Like these are all just the same thing. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Mm -hmm. Do you think death is a singular individual, or do you think it is a collective of people doing that work? Whoa. <laughs> like, I... I really lean towards that sort of angle with this. I think that it is at least something very similar to that sort of archetype. Um, it fits in a lot of ways. Um, whether it's one individual or we project certain aspects of him onto, onto him, that's a possibility. I mean, people who would report seeing Death or the Grim Reaper would often report different sort of uh, projections onto it on how the individual looked. Mm -hmm. um, often, um, death wasn't the Grim Reaper with the skull. They would usually have, um, you know, certain humanoid features, but pale, ghastly. But the details of the feature would change, even so occasionally appearing female. Like, I think it was uh, Pesta, mm -hmm. or Pesca, I can't remember how to say it, um, in um, the Scandinavian area, area was actually a female so do you think that so do you think that there's something too then of the different types of types of flannelman reports where flannelman comes and he's showing up with like with dogs and like or the, or the black dogs yes, and the bar guys because those are those are also associated with death yeah <laughs> they're um some people will call them a death omen some people will call them a psychopomp the the area differentiating a psychopomp from being a death omen is kind of not very big. Uh, well, I can probably go a little more into this if you feel mm -hmm. like having this discussion right now. Um, 
A psychopomp is a individual animal or entity that can basically be a go-between between the world of the living and the dead. Uh, psychopomps appear, appear in most every culture in one way or form. The oracles of Delphi were a form of psychopomp. Um, so are ravens in many religions are considered psychopomps. It's not uncommon for animals to be psychopomps. Um, because ravens would carry messages back and forth between the world mm -hmm. of the living and the world of spirits. Um, black dogs, black, if you want to call them a black shuck or a bargeist is a term I often use, um, are often considered to be um, psychopomps. I think that there is a connection as in these are a similar sort of entity that at times will work together. I find bars to be exceptionally fascinating. Those of you who are old hats of the channel know I really, really, really enjoy going out and hunting for bar guys. I've never seen one, but I think I may have heard one. At least I'm kind of, maybe it's just a dog. It's hard to tell when you can't see it. Just a really fat, <laughs> just a really fat German Shepherd. Well, I mean, the sound of it was very close, and I couldn't find a dog nearby, and it was in an area where there were Bargas sightings, so I kind of halfway count it. But um, I think that they are related as working in the same sort of function, likely as a form of psychopomp. Maybe they're transporting souls back and forth, kind of like a reaper. Maybe they're carrying messages. Uh, when it comes down to the exact motive, I'm not totally sure. But archetypically, I think everything points towards it being a omen of death or a psychopomp. Like I said, in this sort of usage, a bit of a thin line difference. I have a... I'm leaning more likely that what's going on is we're probably seeing some sort of entity that looks a certain way that I think collectively we just end up just creating this image in our head of this is the screen memory that, that we're, that we're creating in our head of what this particular type of an entity looks like. You know, I, I think if you look across the board at all these different types of entity stories, they're all kind of similar, but all of these people are coming up with generally similar descriptions of all of these different types of entities, flannel men included, um, with only very kind of like minor changes most of, most of the time, but still just this general shape, this general look of them is, is almost always the same. And maybe that's probably what it is, is we just have, we can't fathom what they look legitimate look like. And our brain is just trying to do its best of trying to come to terms with what does this thing kind of look like, you know? Because it's very possible that many of the, the entities that we probably encounter exist on multiple types of planes and multiple types of things with, in a way that we, that our brains and our eyes and our kind of can't, it's kind of like when we did the black people, the black stick people story uh, encounters, like maybe we just can't perceive what they look like and this is just what they look like by the time our brain's done processing it. So if this is a type of screen memory that we're calling upon, what and that that begs the question what what's evoking this what 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 would you think is the source of the trauma to invoke the screen memory oh man i've guessed john keel aliens but <laughs> probably in some way um i don't know i i think it's possible that things can exist on a different state of reality that 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 we can't perceive or that we can't, per that we can't perceive entirely. It's entirely like it just exists in a different way. 
And I think maybe that's what's going on and things are coming into our reality, our existence, our encountering us, and then that's what's happening. Have you ever read From Beyond? No. It's a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Take five minutes to go read it some, at some point. But this, this conversation is feeling very evocative of that short story. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's just another thing where people are dealing with perceiving things that are outside their normal dimensional right. like perceptions. Right. Now, what I will say for Flannel Man that I think separates him from a lot of these other entities... Shadow, regular eye shadow people, smiling man, Harlequin, uh, you know, aliens, and all this uh, is the vast majority of flannel man stories, to a staggering proportion, are generally benign. Yeah, most of the people that generally encounter shadow man don't walk away from the same kind of trauma that people with shadow people and content type seeing. You know, that end up with some real psychological problems. The same thing for abductees. Um, Smiling people, as far as I'm aware, and and how Harlequin are bad. Like most of the people that report seeing the flannel man, it's kind of like just a very odd thing that they're seeing flannel man. Like it's just weird, you know. You know, it's like it's just a weird part of their day, for the for the most part. And it makes me wonder whether or not if he's, you know, I know we think on this podcast most general, ex, you know, paranormal entities are probably most likely benevolent. Is he closer towards the neutral side, you know, part of it? Maybe towards the middle, give him the benefit of the doubt? I I would say if I was going to place that sort of um, moral view on him, I would say it's just strange. I, I don't even know if I would classify it as in the same sort of way I would classify like an alien or something. Cause I think that this is like death, something that's just part of the journey of all living things, like a physical manifestation of it. I, but I found just as many stories of flannel man where he was coming to people and they were getting almost uh, prophetic dreams of things happening. Like things. Well, now to be fair, some of those didn't involve people dying. There were a lot of, there were a lot of one, there were a lot of reports of him coming to them and him giving days and it was like gunshot victims and whatnot. I will I will give you that. And that, that, that's that another common thing for psychopomps to do, like the oracles at Delphi. Mm. Um, a psychopomp can also just carry knowledge that they gain from the dead mm. um, to then like pass on or disseminate or to guide a hero on his quest. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like the land of the dead or like hell or anything like that or limbo it can mean a lot of different things like psychopomps exist in so many different cultures that basically just means they go to a place where at least some dead spirits go and can return with information or things along those lines mm-hmm. <coughs> sorry my throat's getting a little sore <laughs> now it's it's like so did we did we address enough like why do we why then does he? Now that we did talk about why, why does he appear as a as a lumberjack? Because we connected him with a death thing. I want to make well, sure we covered well, that. One thing that we didn't get into so far, and I know we're starting to kind of like get towards the end of our time, um, is we didn't talk very much about the cases where he appears to people in crisis. And maybe do you think we can squeeze in going over? Yeah, that yeah keep going. We'll, we'll keep going. This the flannel man doesn't get talked about enough, so we're gonna make sure we get everything covered in here. Yeah, like, uh, there was one story this was covered on um, Strange Familiars 
where they're talking about a person they were lost in the wilderness they had basically misjudged their time and ended up in the woods dark alone in the rain and they were confused wandering around and they were at a point where they were worried they were going to die and they're in a state park at this point and nothing about me this wasn't strange for me that i heard this from but i heard it from somewhere <laughs> but um basically they heard the sound of chopping went towards it there's a person who generally appears like the, the flannel man just points him to the road. He goes over the road, gets picked up by the park rangers, tells him about the, the person being up there, giving him a hand. They're like, there's no way, this, this is a protected reserve. No one's out here chopping wood. They look into it, can't find anyone. But the guy's like, if I didn't have someone point me to the direction of the road, I probably would have just kept wandering till I died. Mm. And I thought that was a really fascinating little encounter. Mm. How do you know that wasn't just some random guy in the woods just saying, hey, I'll keep you alive, just don't snitch on me that I'm chopping wood illegally okay. in this preserve. No one needs to go to a wildlife preserve to <laughs> chop wood. Beyond that, hauling wood is obvious. If, if you're going to chop wood, you're either go you're going to be transported out in such a way that someone's going to notice it. Because you don't go out and chop two, two logs. You go out and chop enough to make it worth your time. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, I've spent a lot of time chopping wood. It is not an easy profession. Um, that time, back when I was like teaching survival, my arms were jacked as hell because <laughs> it, it, it is not easy chopping a ton of wood. Do you think that maybe that that's, again, that's a person in crisis. I mean, if he, if he did not appear to that person at the time, whenever, you know, they said they were going to die, do you think maybe that's kind of why you showed up in that time? Going back to that kind of like. That's that psychopomp situation where like they're just showing up and being like, oh, I sense someone near death unless you know maybe unless I intervene or do something. I his hands always real subtle though. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that he death. I think uh, death is not cruel. It's yeah. so, it's at least yeah. somewhat merciful. I I feel like <laughs> it's one of those things where okay, this soul it might be time for this soul to move on, but I'm gonna give him his opportunity. Let's see if he takes it, and then we'll see what happens from so, there. So it's real subtle when he points in the direction. Like, when was the last time you saw a lumberjack do anything subtle in the woods? <laughs> Truthfully, I've never seen a lumberjack. I've spent a lot of time in the wilderness. I've never seen I've, a lumberjack. I've seen a lot of uh, trucks hauling wood, but ever since I saw Final Destination 2, I know not to hang out behind him because I'm going to meet a grisly end. Oh man, maybe that is. Oh man, I've not seen Final Destination Two. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if I, oh you never seen dude Final Destination Two. There's a whole scene where the dude's driving a, a truck full with like giant wooden logs, and like one of the like chains pops off and they like all the logs fly off and like essentially kill everybody on the highway. It's pretty rough. I don't. Oh, I, I know the sort of trucks you're talking about, but I don't think those would be the sort of thing chopped down by a lumberjack. I think that would be like industrial saws and things like that. Not in my mind. Some giant lumberjack with giant jacked arms like Vic Whaley going out chopping them all down. Like, if you, if you, I'm assuming you've never chopped down a tree with an axe. Um, I have bought a plant before. <laughs> it's... When, when you chop down a tree with an axe, um, you get a very somewhat distinct cut at the bottom. Like, when I see trucks transporting large logs, they're always flat at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get that. You don't get that. You get this weird kind of cone like cone non-smooth cone like really rough cone shape at the bottom just from where the axe bites have come in you have to you know come in at angles and stuff it's not like you take one swing with the axe and it perfectly cuts it down the middle in one go though that would have to be some sort of saw i bought a christmas tree once i don't i don't know if that does that count as a flannel man encounter the guy who sold it to me was wearing a denim jacket 
No. It's kind of red. That doesn't count. Okay. Okay. I, I wanted to go into at least one of those and let us talk about it. I had a few more that we were going to talk about, but I, I think we kind of ran out on that. No, no. I, I, no, I think I think that we've covered a lot, a lot about the Final Man. So have, we, have you covered, do you think, totally your final thoughts on the Final Man? Uh, you start on yours and I'll think about if there's anything else I want to throw on mine. I think the Flannel Man is another type of home invader entity that runs the gambits like on a lot of others. I think that... I don't think that they're all the same entity. I don't think that they're all the same thing. I think that most of these different home invaders are a different type of paranormal entity that probably don't look the way that they actually present themselves to us. And I think that... The flannel man is just a different type that all just, again, we're all getting the same type of general screen memory. This is kind of what they look like to us. Um, and I think that he's probably, I wouldn't know if i call him benevolent. Or I'd be probably like middle of the road is, is kind of what I'm going to give him. He's definitely, he's definitely like a, he's definitely a, a, a weird entity. And then it's really kind of hard to really kind of fathom for me, like what he's really trying to get at or what the, what his real purpose is. But um, I think when you boil it down to these different types of entities, you, know, you kind of got to look to see what what's the difference in all of these entities. Like with Harlequin, you're seeing missing time. With, you know, with Red Shadow White people, you're seeing like a lot more marks and a lot more mental health concerns. Um, you know, Smiling Man stories, you're seeing a lot more... I guess you're seeing also missing time and stuff too, but with the flannel man stories, you're more likely to see prophetic stuff like, like visions of stuff after the fact. And I think maybe that's where you got to look at the most of like on these, on these, uh, stories to kind of really see why is he here? Why are we seeing these things? Call it the angel of death. Call it a reaper. Call it a pesta. I think that that's what this is. I don't know why people are seeing it manifest like this. Like I said, I think it has something to do with that archetype of the worker being similar to how what a Reaper would have been viewed at back in its time period. But I really, I really feel like there are too many things that associate with the archetype of death, whether it be a psychopomp or an omen, I'm not totally sure. But I think that there is a connection there. But here's my question to you. How different did the Flannel Man end up being from like from when you started to research it to when you completed the research? How different was he? Yeah. How 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 much did the research change your mind? Like when you found out more and more about it? About him as an entity? A lot, I'd say. Yeah, me too. Like uh, my views on what the Flannel Man was was very different when I got to the end of my research than when I started yeah. the journey. Like initially when I first saw the Flannel Man, I thought it was gonna be more like a horror thing really there at first. Not gonna lie, when I first started researching it, and it really, it really was was different by the time I was done. I wish I knew what John Kill knew about them, because he seemed to imply that this is something that old hat paranormal investigators just know about. That it is common, and I'm not really sure. Cause I, it, cause I, it, I don't think John Kill would have lied, but no. I, I'm not sure exactly what details we might be missing. It was enough that he didn't expand upon yeah. it in his book, so it seemed just. Almost like this is just commonplace knowledge. So the Flannelman story has been probably a story that's been told or been encountered for much longer than what people are are, are believing now. 
I think that's the biggest thing where my perspective changed. Like the thing that changed the most is realizing we can roll back the time period on these encounters. Mm-hmm. Exactly how far, I'm not sure. But definitely further back than when I, what I initially thought, because I initially thought that this was a very modern sort yeah. of scenario. But if you guys have any thoughts on what the Flenomen is, make sure that you guys leave them uh, in your comments below. Um, tell us what you guys think about the episode. Um, become a patron. Yeah, if you guys like this episode, become a patron. and become a patron, we do a whole other like 15 minutes uh, after each episode with some bonus content for you guys. And you guys get access to a whole bunch of other cool videos. Um, you know, if you can't do that, then one of the best things you can do for us is like leave a, a review wherever you guys are. Uh, five star. Yeah, five star. <laughs> five star thumbs up wherever, wherever you guys check out our podcast. But until next time, guys. Keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. Wow, that was one of our more intense conversations we've had in a while. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so I, it's going to be even more fun when we delve into kind of our pillow talk segment now. Uh, as we get into a cryptid. So if you guys have enjoyed the episode so far, we're going to keep it going. If you want the rest of this podcast, make sure you go over to our patrons, sign up. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, a fun cryptid because everybody knows how much we uh, Vic loves talking about biology. Oh, I love yes, cryptids too. Yes. Uh, and all those fun stuff. So we're going to talk about Organism 46B. Vic, were you aware that I was the one who originally found this cryptid, and I brought it to, and I brought it to Vic as an idea for it to talk about on the podcast? When you told me the name of it, I wasn't. But when mm-hmm. I started the research, I realized, oh, wait, yes, I am familiar oh, with this. I so. just had forgotten the name. And, and however you guys feel about this story, it it's just, whether you think it's real or not, it's just hilarious to talk. To. It's just hilarious and just fun to talk about. Um, so, Organism 46B. So, in 1957, the Soviets built what's called Vostok Station uh, down in Antarctica. And this is a research station for... And this is a real station that's down there. It's supposed to be a real station that you can that you can see down there. Um, and they built the station to do research down in Antarctica. By 1974, they discovered that this station was actually built on top of a frozen lake. Which, then they renamed the lake... Vostok Lake, because that's what the name of the station is. Um, so shortly after they discover that they're that they're on top of this lake, they start ice drilling. They start drilling the ice to take core samples. They start trying to do research on the ice, and they want to see what's on the lake. Maybe they'll find some sort of like undiscovered uh, animal, you know, or something like that. So they drill into the lake by about February fifth, two thousand twelve, and. According to a Dr. Anton uh, Dalka,